family time, um, often those of us who are very work and oriented and task motivated, we really focus on working together and accomplishing. We're like, well, we are playing together. But what you don't realize is sometimes to your kid, you're really not playing together. Like you might think it's play, but your child doesn't always think it's play. Um, and so just a really a couple of fun ideas um, to get out and to get moving as a family. Um, how many of you guys have ever gone geocaching? Anyone here ever gone geocaching? Okay, well, there is an amazing app that is for free on your phone. It is a green and white little button. It's green, yeah, it's green and white. I describe it in here on page, page three. Um, it's called geocaching. And it's, it's a free app. Um, and basically, right now in our area, um, I'll get close to you. We're the blue dot. All the little dark ones are green geocaches. Geocaches within walking distance of us right now. Okay? Um, pretty cool. Like this close. I bet you'd want to go geocaching, huh, bud? Like right now within walking distance. We're the blue dot. Right now within walking distance, there's this many geocaches around us. Okay? And I mean, I can keep going bigger. If you can see, like I can just keep going. And so um, what you do is you just click on the geocache. Uh, one really close to here, probably hidden here on campus, but if you want to go with your mom, it's called Bike Walk 205. You're looking for a micro. It'll tell you what size you're looking for. Micro means that it's literally sometimes the size of a screw, and there's a tiny little white log, and you write inside of it. So there's micro, there's small, there's regular, there's large. If, if you're into finding it for the little stuff, the toys, so I just took my friend's kids geocaching yesterday and it was their first time and they were four-year-old and six so I looked for the large and we had like toys from the treasure chest that we took and we traded out toys for toys and it's just honestly junk but you know another man's junk is another man's treasure you know how that whole thing goes and so they think it's fantastic and there's so many cool spiritual lessons with geocaching I mean I take my my I run an outdoor ed program at Heritage Academy I started it and how I based it was Pathfinder honors okay so if you're looking for an idea to do for fun with your kids, is do a Pathfinder Honor. Pathfinder Honors are super fun. I don't know how involved you are with your Pathfinder Club or if your church has a local Pathfinder Club. Um, that's another incredible way also to get your church involved if they don't have a Pathfinder Club, being willing to start a Pathfinder Club. Um, but I take my, my teens geocaching, and at the end I ask them to draw spiritual lessons. And they have really awesome ones. Like, for example, you know, when you write on the logbook, it's like when God writes our name on his logbook. And when we are searching for the treasure, it's really difficult. And the ones that are the most difficult to find are the most awesome treasures, you know? And I just find that geocaching lends itself quite naturally to some really cool spiritual ob object lessons. Um, but it's really quite simple. You simply click on it. Once you click on it, you click navigate and you just... Um, I kind of miss the old-fashioned geocaching. We had like the coordinates and you had to like figure it out and compass walk your way. Now you just click on this and follow the blue arrow. Mindless. But at the same time, I mean, it works for whatever level you're at um, with the different kids because you don't have to do it that way. You can do it more advanced if you want to. You can click on it and it can give you the coordinates as well. And you have the, if you have the expensive GPS and you enter your coordinates, you can still do it in other ways. But I just think that this... Um, this, this geocaching app is super fun and super cool to do um, with your family. Um, another thing that I think is super important to, super important to do with your family, um, I think there are several things that like, made me the woman that I am today, 
And definitely, growing up a farm is huge, but I can tell you another thing that was a huge thing in my life was family vacations. Um, I don't know if you guys are taking family vacations or if you're not taking family vacations. Um, for us, we would do it between second and third cuttings hay. That was the window that we could go. My mom was a teacher. She took off um, 13 years to raise us three kids. I have an older brother and I have a younger brother. And so she stopped teaching when she was pregnant for my older brother, and she started teaching again when my younger brother was in first grade, and then she's been teaching ever since. But she took out those years when we were home to be with us, and when she went back to teaching, then she had the summer vacations. And so we would load up the pop-up camper where there's much food, and sometimes we would just go for a week, and we'd go to a local state park and bring our bikes and explore the state park. Um, but often we would go for two or three weeks, and we'd head out west. Uh, and we would drive all the way from Michigan to Washington, because my dad's twin brother lives in Washington or Idaho, back and forth, Spokane, Moscow, back and forth. And so we would load up that pop-up camper, and, you know, there's several things that it taught me. Um, one, my, my parents always planned our vacations around seeing family. That was always the goal, right? So we would see third cousin twice removed in Montana, and we, but there was a relationship built, that's why. And then, you know, we see this family friend here and this friend here and this family, but our goal was always my dad's twin brother in Idaho to spend some time with them, and we'd, we'd plan out national parks. So I got to go to all the national parks, Rocky Mountains, Grand Tetons, um, Grand Sand Dunes in Colorado, Zion, Bryce. Um, there's some incredible national parks. And we would hike, and we would hike, and we would hike, and we would hike, and I, greatly disliked it. I hated it, actually. I'll be honest with you, because my mother was the kind of mother that had to see the waterfall from all four angles, not just from one angle. You know, we're at Yellowstone. We have to see a picture from this one. We have to hike it from this one. We have to go on the other side and drive around and hike it from this one. And like literally one time we hiked 11 miles to see a waterfall. My parents had an obsession with waterfalls, okay? And they would just hike and they would, we would hike. And we have a picture. I'm like 13. And I am sitting on a rock, and I'm leaning against it, and I have my arms crossed, and I have my tongue out, and I'm done. Like, I'm just done. And my dad's, like, leaning up against me, too, like, acting like he's done, too. Because I was done. I did not like hiking at all. But ironically, guess what I've turned out to be? The exact same thing. I will drive miles to see a waterfall. I will hike miles to see a waterfall. I now, I lived in Europe for a year when I studied um, and at Newbold in England, and I literally spent six hours in Paris, and I was like, okay, I'm done. I want to go out and see the, the French countryside. I want to see what this makes this country. Because my parents had instilled this love for exploring, even though at the time I whined, like probably more than whatever child you can imagine in your head whining, times that by 10, and that was probably me. Because I really, like, I mean, I promise you, we hiked all the time. Every Sabbath, we would hike. We would go biking on, um, we have, I don't know if you guys ever heard, like, uh, of rails to trails. It's a program where they've taken railroad beds and they've made them into biking trails. So in, in Michigan, we have one called the Calhaven Trail. I looked up, you have two in Oregon, um, but it's called Rails to Trails, and it's just turn uh, railroad beds into trails. And so we would either bike on Sabbath afternoon or we'd go to Fort Custer and bike because my brothers were big into mountain biking, and I'd be so frustrated because I was terrified, and they'd go off and I'd stick on yellow trail with mom <laughs> because I wasn't going to go. I couldn't go down the steep hills. I'd get scared and jump off the bike and get hurt. <laughs> so it never worked out very well. But um, I really am thankful to my parents for doing those family vacations. And honestly, they were, they were not huge costs because camping at the, the national parks is very inexpensive. Now, you don't have a shower, so you have to balance your, your campgrounds. Unfortunately, I feel like camping has really gotten on in price because when I've tried to do road trips with my friends recently, like KOL, KOAs, um, are like $40. So you definitely need to like figure out how to make camping um, 
easier than it is currently, and maybe it's getting like a, a pass or something. But the national, the national pass is, I think now, instead of $50, it's $75 for a national pass. If you have a fourth grader in the family, National Guards, National Parks. So for fourth graders right now, you know what? Last two summers ago was another thing. They had switched it to something else. I don't remember what, but they had this other thing that was free if you had this. But junior ranger programs are really awesome at national parks, incredible. I mean, your kids are gonna learn so much information and you can take, you could take your summer vacation programs and bring them back into your school year. Um, or you could even you know, have them have research. I know for me, I was in third grade and I looked in the history book and I saw Mesa Verde and I was like, mommy, I wanna go to Mesa Verde. And all of my planning was someday to go to Mesa Verde. And I still, honestly, it's one of my favorite places. I just think it's so fascinating. Those cliff dwellings and the Anasazi Indians, I have a fascination just cause I saw a picture when I was in third grade in my history textbook and I wanted to go there and my parents made it possible and we went to Zion, we went to Mesa Verde. I, I just really appreciate that my parents made it a priority to see national parks because it also gives me an, a desire to preserve my environment. Like there was a, it was a trifle. It was time with family. I now, like for example, these three weeks, I'm going to drive six, seven hours to go see my dad's twin brother and my cousins in Idaho because I'm, I'm like six, seven hours away. I'm like, I have to drive. That's so close. Like there's no way. So I'm going to rent a car and drive. People probably think that's crazy. That's ages away. But my mom always made family a priority to... So it just is now a priority to me, no matter if there's a little bit of drive, because that was what our family vacations were about. It was time with family and time with nature. And that's just what, in my brain, that's what a family vacation is. So I used to beg my mom, I was like, can't we just like go to a cabin? Like that sounds so much restful. And my dad used to open up the snaps on the pop-up camper and pull me out of bed. Cause I was like, why don't we ever sleep in? Well, there's things to do. And he'd sing pancakes on the griddle. Life ain't nothing but a funny little riddle. Thank God I'm a country boy. And I was like, oh, <laughs> let me sleep. <laughs> and we never got to sleep in. Cause my mom had a whole plan. You know, we're gonna go to this park and we're gonna hike this and we're gonna do this. And then we're gonna go to this park. And she had the whole thing mapped out and I was like, you know, someday I'd like to be the family dad just sits. Can we just have a sitting vacation? <laughs> but guess what? When I traveled around England, I was like, I'm going to this park and then I'm going to this park and then I'm going to go see this park. And I had it all just like my parents, you know, monkey see, monkey do. But they created that love in me that I really appreciate. And also there's this desire to make sure, like my money, I'm interested in making sure national parks are preserved. Because I'm like, they're awesome. They need to be fought for. They're worth being fought for. Um, another thing is state parks. Um, if you can't, if the national park is too, um, too intimidating of a trip, and honestly, I think we probably did it three times, the big giant one, um, where we saw a bunch of national parks three or four times in my, in my lifetime at, with my parents. Um, so it wasn't something that we did every summer. Um, but state parks have incredible programs too for your children. Also, you should check out like your local nature centers. They have programs for two or three dollars per child to do some really awesome units. And they, they do really cool things with your kids. And they're honestly two or three dollars per person if you just look up your, your, your closest um, nature center. Um, they are really good. And state parks have ranger, junior ranger programs too for your kids, um, which I think are super fun and super awesome. So that is, that to me is, is just make it a goal. If you just take one, if you just take one national trip park, you know, na one national park trip, um, I think it's well worth your investment of time. And I'd, I'd wait till they were older, you know, where they could handle the 11 mile hike. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think we were 13. My parents were, they were well, they were smart. Um, so definitely, definitely try to do that. And it was good for me not to want to sleep in and and get out of bed even though I really just wanted to stay in bed. <sighs> um, uh, also, I think that for me, 
Um, Sabbath is a really awesome time to connect with as a family and connect to nature. And so when I taught K2, I had this thing on, on Friday called Sabbath Celebration. So Friday, uh, the last hour of school was Sabbath Celebration. So a little bit of time before, um, and for you as homeschooling, this would work really well Friday night. But we would clean the classroom, and we would sing our little song and like clean the classroom. And then after we had our Friday preparation, we'd come and stand behind our desk. And then, I don't know if you know this, but the Ten Commandments are in song. And we would sing um, the Fourth Commandment in song. So if you haven't seen it, the Ten Commandments are a song. For, since other people are going to listen to this recording, I'm not going to sing it for you. If I wasn't recording, I probably would be singing it for you. <laughs> but I have to listen to it again, probably. So um, that's another thing I want to say, too, is songs are super powerful. Um, I can send you a list of hymns, but if you just pick out hymns so they're singing about nature, you know, um, there's This Is My Father's World. And what's really awesome is your little ones will be singing huge words. You know, and their vocabulary will be expanded because those hymns are so powerful. And so all things um, bright and beautiful. This is my father's world. Um, sing the mighty power of God. Um, you, oh, joy to the world. What is joy to the world? Ah, you know this. Yeah, we sing it at Christmas time. It's a Christmas song. Well, think about how delighted your little ones are going to be when you sing Joy to the World, not at Christmas time. They're going to think it's the best thing ever. Everyone loves to sing Christmas songs out of season. If you listen to Joy to the World, actually listen to the lyrics, it's let no more let sin and sorrow reign. Well, when Jesus came the first time, is there still sin and sorrow reigning? Yeah, it's, that was put in the wrong section of our hymnals. It's meant to be a second coming song. Joy to the world, nor thorn, nor fest, and invest the ground. You know, it's, it's talking about nature, and it's talking about the second coming. So pretty cool. So definitely, you know, make a point in your family worships to sing about nature. So back to Sabbath celebration. So Friday, I have them clean the classroom, and then we stand behind our desk, and we sing, remember the, the Sabbath for our for our start of Sabbath celebration. Then we're like, okay, we're starting Sabbath celebration. And I always talk about how the earth is a gift. You know, I've gone over that. I think the earth is a gift to us. And, and Genesis is one of our first commands is to take care of the earth. Um, and I say, let's spend time with Jesus. And we have our special Jesus journals and we do something nature related and spending time with Jesus. But the biggest thing is I want my kids to never think that Sabbath is boring. So I want to send them home with a toolbox of ideas when mom and dad are tired and want to take a nap. They can be like, oh, my teacher did this. I could do this. So it might be something simple like taking Play-Doh and making Bible scenes and making nature scenes. It might be simply going out for a hike. And there's this sticky tack paper that's sticky on both sides. I just stick it to their bellies. And then they're allowed to stick whatever they want on their stomachs. And they just think it's fantastic. <laughs> and they think it's so much fun. And then I just take that sticky stuff and I stick it to like this white tack board. And then they have their art, their art hanging. And that's their art. And everything in that little sticky stuff means something to them. On some little point in their adventure, you know, they learned it. And uh, we did the fruits of the Holy Spirit. One time that was my theme for the year. So I correlated all the fruits of the Spirit every month. It was one of them. And I said, you know, this isn't something you earn. This is something you work hard to be like. It's something that is proof that the Holy Spirit's in your heart. You know, you don't work hard to be loving. It's something when you ask Jesus to come in your heart, then he makes you more loving. It's proof that you have Jesus in your heart. So we look for examples of love, and we would find it in nature. We'd look for the fruits of the Spirit, but we'd look for them in nature. Where do you see love happening? Where do you see peace? Where do you see gentleness? Where do you see long-suffering? And we go out in nature, and we try to find where the fruit of the Spirit was being shown in nature. Um, other things we would do is we might um, just go for a hike and go for different scavenger hunts. Um, there's all sorts of cool scavenger hunts 
I like the one on page four, the awareness scavenger hunt. Um, something humans can't live without. Something red in nature, evidence of an animal, the youngest natural thing you can find, the oldest natural thing you can find, something beautiful in nature, two seeds, something with a smooth texture, something with a rough texture, something that makes a sound when the wind blows, something that has a good smell, something natural that has no purpose. Um, good luck on that one. <laughs> but um, I just think this is a cool awareness scavenger hunt. But even having your kids come up with a scavenger hunt is super awesome. So one of the ideas I did with my teenagers, and they loved this one too, was um, I had them take Frisbees, and they took their Frisbees, and I put them into groups. I had 16 or 20 kids, and I put five in a group, and what they did is they took their Frisbee, and I had built a biking trail. At Heritage, I built this, helped build this biking trail. It's like a mile long, or two mile long loop. Um, that goes like behind the girls' dorm, boys' dorm, greenhouses, and it goes around. And I said, you have to hide it within 50 feet of the trail, um, this, this Frisbee. And then they came back and they had to write a map. They could either draw a map or they could write a list of clues. And then we traded maps, and then it was a race to see who could find the other person's Frisbee first. And my teenagers loved it. And it was awesome because here I have a bunch of, you know, oh, I want to be inside. And it was kind of chilly that day. But I have them running all over hoop and holler trying to find these Frisbees. And they thought it was great. They thought it was like a fantastic fun thing. And um, I think it's like a game that you're, you can play with your kids as well. But just really making Sabbath a time of, of celebration. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to put a lot of work in. It's like an exhausting thing. But it's time that you just tell your kids, this is time with Jesus and nature. Like really stress that. Um, this is a time to connect with the Creator. It's a time to be reminded that you are not the Creator, but you're created. You know, it takes a lot of pressure off you when you don't have to be the Creator of your own life story. You just have to surrender and let the Lord make you the let let the Lord be the Creator of your life story. You know, and so constantly going out into nature and being reminded that you are created, I think, is super needed in our in our lives. Um, some other fun. Sabbath ideas that I, I think are super fun is the memory hike. So I know for me, hikes were not my favorite thing. Now I'm thankful for them. But as a child, I just thought they were dreary and never-ending. And maybe you're blessed and your kids absolutely love hikes. But we would hike all the time. But I think this memory hike sounds super fun. When hiking out in the wilderness, whether it's in the mountains or in the forest or in the desert, it's important to pay attention to where you're going and where you have been. For this hike, tell your kids that they will be hiking for a certain distance, and when they get to that point, they will be asked questions about certain objects along the trail to test their observation skills. As a variation, have each child think of 10 questions of his or own, her own after the hike. Have the children write down their questions and then exchange with each other. An example, on which side of the trail was the tree with the bird's nest in it? Which, what colors were the flowers in the middle of the trail? So at the end, you say, and I would say for little kids, make it just a very short amount of time, you know, because that's a lot of information to take in. But say, okay, from this tree to the top of that hill, you know, I'm going to come up with 10 things. So I want you to try to just observe and then get up top of the hill. Okay, so which side did you notice there was this? Did you notice that there was this? And then also have them come up with questions and you try to answer you're like, oh, I have no idea where that was. That's a good observation, you know? And then you could even go back and look at it. Um, but teaching them to observe cloud races, yeah, that's not that original of idea. But, you know, I think it's cool. Sometimes the clouds are really racing. Sometimes you can't even tell the clouds are moving. But when the clouds are racing, I think it'd be fun to pick a finish line and be like, all right, whose cloud's going to make it first? You know that whole, like, poo sticks where you, um, you, whenever you cross a bridge, you get two sticks 
and you stick them on one side of the bridge and you run over to the other side of the bridge and you see whose stick comes out first. The kids love stuff like that, you know? And just like I was doing that with my friend's kids the other day, I was having them play poo sticks. Next thing I know, these four-year-olds and six-year-olds are dragging these ginormous logs. Like, they're coming out of the forest. I was like, I thought we were going to play with sticks, but like, literally, they're dragging. Can we throw this in, Auntie Angie? I was like, all right, <laughs> like, here we go. But like, they're just interacting, you know, and I think that's super important. Um, where they're laughing and thinking that it's super fun and funny. Um, if you, another app I wanted to tell you about that's free is called All Trails. It's green and white again. And maybe you'll see a theme here. All Trails. It has, uh, sorry, that's listed as a resource in the back of your sheet. Um, other apps and resources. It has within now, like there's Mount Talbert Nature Preserve, there's Middle Creek Cedar, there's Carmissa Pres um, Preserve Loop. It tells me all within, where I, wherever I am, wherever I'm standing, all the trails that are available to me right now. So I think that's super cool because um, sometimes we don't even know, like sometimes we need to be tourists in our own cities. We don't even know what's available to us sometimes around us. Um, or when we go, you don't always know exactly what to check out. But I like that app, the All Trails app. It has lots of really awesome hiking on it. But yeah, just trying to like liven up the hike. There's other hike activities. There's the alphabet hike, um, where you you know ask them to as you're hiking along, or give them a piece of paper where you just try to find something that starts with each letter of the alphabet as you're hiking. You know, anytime I'm sure you've done that when you're driving with your kids. You're like, oh, how do I keep these kids engaged? They're going crazy. Well, we used to play the alphabet sign. You know, looking at signs. Who's the first one to race through the alphabet as you're driving along? Um, well, do that with nature. You know, okay. Look for something that starts with A, which is going to be more difficult, and you're going to have to know your tree identification, but it might help them be more interested when you pull out that tree identification book to want to be able to know, wait, I want to know more trees, I want to know more plants, because they want to be able to do the alphabet. Camping Olympics, touching trees, oh yeah, this one's super fun. So what you do <laughs> is you, um, you lead, you take one person and you blindfold them, and you take them to a tree and they feel all over that tree and they just try to they just really try to identify that tree and then you lead them back and you can lead them on whatever crazy trail you want just don't make it too far away and you lead them back to the starting point and you take off the blindfold and they have to go find their tree that they touched okay um, it's super difficult <laughs> it's super hard unless you can really figure out some identifying factor about it you know so you do want to set parameters or they can just be super discouraging for your kid maybe just say you know you only can lead me within 15 feet or 20 feet, you know, set parameters. But I found that that one's like super fun. It's just to go feel the tree and try to find which tree you felt. Um, it's super funny and super fun. Um, other ideas, uh, simple, outdoors for simple outdoor activities for kids. That list is just um, a big list because sometimes um, you don't know what to do um, with your child. So I think that's super cool. Um, another thing, too, is go time. Somebody else came up with that phrase who listened to myself on Audioverse. She sent me, she says that now they have go time. And go time stands for go outdoors. And they just, they've now, like, put that into their family, and they're just like, all right, it's go time. Let's go. And they just think that's fantastic. <coughs> and they have, um, like, like I talked about, that special backpack with whatever outdoor gear you want to put in there. Bug kit, magnifying glasses, binoculars, field journal, pencil, crayons. Um, and definitely try to encourage them to start using their Bible, um, which I'll talk about next session about how to really make that Bible come alive. It's super awesome, super exciting. 
um, about like how to make that Bible. And if you don't, make sure your Bible has a concordance. <laughs> that is what I have found has really made my Bible slowly come alive is when I've been able to start using my concordance. And I'm just all over my Bible now because I have a concordance and I love it. So it's kind of hard to find small, small Bibles with concordances, but I don't usually now even buy a Bible unless it has a concordance in it because I've just found that so helpful to me. And people are like, oh, you can just use your phone, but I'm trying to just be away from my phone. I don't need my phone for the concordance. Um, so there is something, but uh, go time is just super, super awesome. Um, another thing, too, that is worth um, thinking about is planting a tree nursery source as a family. Uh, trees provide shelter and shade for animals and smaller plants. Trees can make a garden five degrees cooler than it would have been if the case without them. We should all plant at least two trees a year because that is what you use in one way or another. So something a little bit interesting to think about is the fact that you use two trees. So if we should each plant two trees. Fruit trees are especially worthwhile. So it's quite important to involve young people in growing, planting, and protecting trees. Developing a tree nursery can be a very important surface for a local community. So once again, I just love any, I don't know, the first experience that I ever had being a part of talking to my community was when I work at Heritage, and we have something that I think is really awesome. We have a disaster response program. So I think it's incredible. And if you don't have it at your high school, you should try to have it at your high school. So we work under this branch called To Serve. And what we do is we train all of our kids in CERT, which is Community Emergency Response Team. And when a disaster hits, we have two weeks planned into our academic calendar where we go and respond to natural disasters. So we spent a week over in North Carolina responding to Hurricane Florence. We spent, a, actually, we went over our time. We have to make it up in our school days. But we spent two weeks down in Florida responding to Hurricane Michael. And our kids, they go in there, and we gut houses. I mean, when the house gets flooded, after the water recedes, you have 90 hours um, to get everything out or black mold is going to set in. That's, that's all. That's the window you have. And there's, you know, the incredible thing is the Mormons have an incredible disaster response program. In fact, we use their data to know which houses to respond to. They have one day a year where they fast, and all the money that they would have spent on food goes to natural res responding to natural disasters fund. That's just what they have in their, in their curriculum and in their plan as a church, is responding to natural disasters. So you'll go down there and you'll see helping hands everywhere and different Mormons all over the place in natural disasters. It's just incredible um, how they're so actively involved in it. So we were down there responding, and this was actually last year. We were down responding. I think it was Hurricane Matthew, Hurricane Irma. I don't remember. There's been so many. It's terrible. And um, so we were down there responding, and you use this giant database. And you get on this database, and you click on different houses to see what their needs are. And our kids are in there gutting out houses completely, picking up, you know, you watch piles and piles of everything you can imagine all in the yard and like an army of youth poof, it's gone it's incredible and awesome and totally incredible and we'll we'll take everything they own because it's terrible everything they own gets ruined it's all can you imagine everything you ever own is up on the curbside and um it's very sad and so we're down there and the community the public the public board the pastor was a member on that community on that community's board of so whatever local government it was, he was on it, which I've never seen Adventist pastor on a local board, but he was. He was on his, his governor's local board. I don't, I don't know what you call it. 
Anyways, they asked us to come because they wanted to thank us. So we went to mayor, the mayor's office. We went to the community center where they're having all the officials meet. We're, we're listening to their meeting, and they're going back and forth, and then they thank us. And then after they thanked us, we're like, can we sing for you? So every time we respond to a house, we sing this song um, called Still. I don't know if you know what it is, but the, the, um, the chorus goes, When the oceans rise, when the thunders roar, I will soar with you above the storm. I will be still and know that you are God. And it's powerful. So we sing this and the entire, like all these community members, leaders, community leaders, just sat there and wiped the tears off their faces. You know, like if we could get involved in our communities, it goes back to that line. You know, if your church closes doors, would your community even notice? You know, and I think it starts with us as families. Not just blaming our church, you know, is our family willing to put the time into our church? Is our family willing to look at the church as my family? And not just, that's my church, it needs to serve me. That's my church, it needs to provide this for me. No, am I willing to get involved in my local church? And am I willing to start programs that get us out there, that give us a face in our community, that make our community aware that we are actively involved and we care about their current local living conditions? You know, we care to improve it. And so... um, I just think that is super important. If you can ask your local community, you know, can I plant a tree somewhere? Can, is there needs? You know, is there needs? Is there weeding needs? You know, um, talk to your, talk to your, instead of, I don't know, how many of you have ever been even to your, um, your governor, what am I looking for, the mayor's office in your town, or I can't even think of the phrase that I'm looking for, but city council, thank you, that's all I'm looking for. You know, how many of you ever thought about considering serving on your city council? You know, getting involved. We talk about separation of church and state, which is important, but that doesn't mean we can't have a relationship with how our local city government is running and and have a a buy-in about our community and about the environment that's developing around us. Um, Other fun hikes that are super fun are color walks. Just look for certain things um, that are certain colors. Shape walks, I just did this with a four-year-old on my back. We looked for everything that was a triangle, and then he would just call out the shapes, and we would just find a couple things, and then he was like, circle, and then we'd find everything that was a circle, and we'd find everything that was a square. And then, it, you know, it, he was like, that's not a square, that's a rectangle. And <laughs> like, it was just super fun. So we were doing a shape walk. Um, a wet walk, animal and plant walk, microclimate walks, penny walks, color walks, um, just lots of ideas to help make those hikes because that's usually what we do right i don't know about you guys but it's usually sabbath afternoon is usually a hike um and i it got redundant to me but at the same time i end up becoming that person so keep the redundancy up is that what you guys are doing my parents didn't make hikes super exciting but it worked and it was fun um in the end maybe not always along the journey um so but just try to make sure that you're having fun as a family and that you're not just um just working hard together Um, A couple other ideas that I have that I think um, are super important is that idea of storytelling in the family. I've already briefly mentioned it, but I think, um, you know, helping kids' prayers not get redundant, that rock idea is super, super special, or something where maybe it's just a book, you know, and it's just the the nature treasure book, and they're writing in there, like, things that they saw in nature. Um, I recently read a book about this goal for this lady that changed her life is how gratitude changed her life and a thousand blessings was what she was looking for in a year's time to try to make a list of a thousand things that she was thankful for. 
and you know, helping our kids to be thankful. And I think a good place to start is in nature. Like easily, I'm thankful I saw the bird. I'm thankful that that tree, you know, is budding. And thankfulness is just really something that they they can easily start doing. And so, um, what you could do is either have that journal book, or you could have those rocks, and you just let them collect a huge pile of rocks. And then when you go to pray, everybody takes two or three rocks out. And then when they go around the circle, they pray for what's on that rock. Or they thank God for what's on that rock. Um, that way, prayers get a little bit more creative than the end all. Thank you for this day. Thank you for my family. Amen. <laughs> Which are precious. But I think we can teach our kids to pray deeper um, and more meaningful. And then the other big thing, I think, is that bowl idea. I think that's fantastic. If you're willing to have a bowl in your house that kids bring in their treasures so you have um, a point to start on for them to talk about because they're not going to know always what to talk about during the day. But if they bought in that little stick or they bought in that little leaf or they bought in that little rock, all of a sudden they can talk on and on about this adventure that they had in nature, which is super, um, super awesome. So one time I played this, there's another game, and I, I think I have it somewhere on the papers, but if I don't, you can write it down. But the idea is that you're hiking and you make a list or you try to think of all the things that you're not hearing, right? So the sound of photosynthesis, the idea of a, a, a seed growing right now, that like you try to go on, and I really thought I had it somewhere, but it's a, it's a hike where um, you're listening for all the sounds you can't hear. Wander through the woods uh, or field and listen for sounds you cannot hear and make a list. For example, sap rising, a sunrise, a seed germinating, mitosis, feathers, wood petrifying, a spider weaving its web, a leaf changing color. So try to come up with a list of all the things that you can't hear. Um, if you haven't done it yet as a family, but have you guys ever like watched um, the the um, like a meteor shower as a family I know it's super late and like really disturbs bedtimes and makes it probably you know nightmares of kids later but watching a meteor shower as a family can be super awesome even if it's just one or maybe it's a treat that you wait till later also um, there's some really random holidays out there for example I think the last day of June is camp in your backyard day um, so that would be super fun to do if you haven't just camped in your backyard your kids would love it your kids would think it was so fun that you went camping in your backyard. If you're just looking for something out of the box, take your tent, set it up. They're going to be so thrilled that they're camping in their backyard. They're going to think it's the best vacation they ever had. And you're going to think it's fantastic because you can go and take a shower <laughs> and do all sorts of great things. Um, another awesome thing to do, too, is one of my professors told me, um, does anybody know right now if the, if the moon is waxing or waning? Waxing, that's a true outdoor educator right there. If you don't know if your moon is waxing or waning, it probably means you're not outside enough, right? If you don't know, because that means, I mean, you have no idea. By looking at the size of the moon, that's not going to help you figure out if it's waxing or waning. It's because you know that a full moon just happened or a crescent moon just happened, you know? And so one of the assignments that I actually did in grade school, and this is another English idea, is a moon journal. So for every night for 30 days or for whatever the moon cycle is at that time, we had to go out and we had to draw the moon. And let me tell you, it's sometimes really difficult because it's like, well, it looks the same as yesterday. So every single drawing, I'm like, ugh, this assignment. And so I suggest you try to add a little bit of variety with what else can you include because I had a hard time with it. I did it in fifth grade and I remember not really loving it. I think it sounded like a great idea at the time, but I, I remember it needed a little something else. So 
you know, but knowing if the moon, what season it is, shows you how much time you're spending outdoors. But maybe it's something where you could take advantage and teach them a couple constellations. Um, I think that astronomy is so incredibly fascinating, and I love knowing the different shapes. And, you know, Pleiades is written in Job. You know, that is amazing. You know, what other names, you know, has God given? Yes, man, and we're scared of, like, the whole astrology thing, and you have to be careful of that. But at the same time, like, knowing stars and knowing the North Star, you know, can help them do compass walks. You know, doing night walks. Have you done a night walk with your child? That is so fun and so exciting. When I taught outdoor education at Camp Asabo, I'd always include a night walk, no matter if it was cold. And I'd always have them walk by themselves for a certain portion of it. You know, just be quiet and see what you can listen. And we would sing in the dark. Kids love to sing in the dark. It's so special to sing in the dark. And even there, I mean, we're in there in our snow pants, and it's Michigan. Like, it's not warm, but we would have worships out in the dark because it's something so different and so magical to look across the pond, the lake, and it's frozen, and there's stars out, and your kids are just singing. And they just talk like this. They just have so much to say about seeing God. And another thing, too, that's amazing is, I don't know if you've done, like, that popcorn prayer with your kids. Um, have you ever, um, like, right now our church is just finishing up or is finishing up on Friday, I think, or they just finished. I think they finished up this Friday. The 10 days of prayer, have you guys done that? Or the North American Division? It's finishing up this Friday, I think, right? That's the 10 days of prayer mark. Um, working through that with your kids outdoors, doing that, you know, starting with um, praising God. It's super easy to praise God when you're out in his nature compared to when you try to praise God inside, you're like, I can't think of anything else. Well, when I'm outside praising God, all of a sudden I hear everything and I start, and we're quiet, right? Because when you have that popcorn prayer, there's pauses. So take kids through those four things. Praise God. After it's praise God, it's um, confession. And after it's confession, then it's you ask God for things. And then after you ask God for things, it's thanking him again. Um, That's one way that we do it. Um, That's one method. And you just go outside with them, like take worship outside. Because if you think about with Jesus, you know, you hear this all the time, but he literally used lessons that people saw on the daily basis when they were outside, always interacting. So the more you can bring worship, another thing that I think would be fantastic, another church idea, see if your church would allow you to have church one time, one time outside. Just one time a year, you have church outdoors. Another thing that may sound crazy, and I know like mothers with their girls in their cute little dresses, what if you have Sabbath school outside? You know, you can buy sheets at Goodwill for 25 cents or a dollar, lay them over on the logs, you know, so that way people are sitting on sheets. But have Sabbath school start going outside, you know? Start just taking our people outside. And I think as you take them outside, they'll fall in love. And I know there's, there's rain and then like the wind makes it so difficult to like hear because the sound is going crazy. But as much as you can, like, I think that is what encourages us to get our churches involved is when they just experience it. It's the whole thing like, you know, Jesus in 1 John 1, 1 to 4, it's like share what you have seen, what you have touched with your own hands, what you have handled, what you have heard. That is what you have to share. And so if we don't, like, give our church members an opportunity to experience the nature, then it's probably going to be hard to tell them, you need to be outside. Okay. <laughs> you know, like, let them have the storytelling time, you know. Even maybe include it in your church service where you talk about, you know, you spend time a little bit in your church service talking about how you saw God in nature. Church time should be more participatory and less sitting down. It should be more talking about how you experience God working real in your life. And as you share stories, other people are going to want to share stories. And if you're not ready, if your church isn't ready, do that at home where you just start sharing how you saw God throughout the day in nature. Yeah, yeah. So you start with praise God. After you praise God, then you work through confessions. Then after confessions, it's um, intercession, asking for things. And then the last one is thankfulness.
And you know, you have to teach your kids the difference between praise and thankfulness, because that can be really confusing. So praise, praise is more praising God for who he is and what he is, and thankfulness is just thankful for the things that he's done in your life. So lots, lots of ways, but I think that the biggest and the most important thing to take away is just, it's just super important to model to your kids what you want them to have. The kind of relationship you want them to have with the Lord, or the kind of way that you want them to live their lives has to be in your lifestyle at home and in the home, right? And so if they see that mom and dad love to get down and get dirty in the mud, I know sometimes it's hard, it's a whole lot of work, but like with my high school kids, one time we had a full-on bone mud fight. Now they all had to get sprayed with a hose after. Yeah, you're clapping your hands. A mud fight would be fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, and kids would love it. They'd love to see mommy and dad have mud all over them. They would think that's fantastic. And sometimes in the garden, you might just have to take that opportunity just to play with them in the mud. Because let's be honest, like I grew up in the garden. I didn't always love the garden. I didn't always love the garden. The garden is a lot of work. And the garden takes a long time before you get some gratification. I mean, it is. It's months before you actually get to be like, oh, this was all worth it, you know? Um, and it is. It's hot, you know? And so play with them. Turn on the sprinkler and run with them in the, in the water. You know, show them that you, you understand that you're willing to work hard, but you're also willing to play hard right next to them. One thing, I don't know if your churches do this, but my church also does a camping retreat um, at a little, uh, I don't know if you guys have 4-H 4-H's in your area, but they often have um, abilities for little campgrounds and for bigger groups where they have pavilions and stuff, and it's the one we always went to for years was Camp Kidwell, and that was a highlight of my life. I remember looking forward to the time when our church was going to have a church camp out. So if, you, if your church doesn't do that, then maybe you could start a church camp out. And it doesn't have to be something like we didn't all um, necessarily eat together. There was a cafeteria at the Camp Kidwell, but the other one we went to, everyone just had their own meal, so it could work either way. But, or another way to just start small is by just saying, hey, I'm camping at this camp during this week, this summer. Does anybody else want to help reserve campsites around? You know, because I just think those kind of memories that you make with your church family, I can think of crazy stories that happened as I played and I had fun and my church members now all of a sudden weren't just those people that I saw in the fancy suits. Like, no, they were playing in the water with me. They were throwing me around the inner tubes. They were splashing me. They were um, roasting marshmallows next to me. You know, like, I just think we really need to start thinking about building community in our churches before we lose our churches. And it's a burden on my heart that um, maybe just because I'm young and single <laughs> that I see this vast need. You know, once I have a family, oh, are you kidding me? There's enough things on the calendar. We don't need any more things on the calendar. So I can't say I'm in your position, but from my perspective, what I see is a lot of islands coming together and then going apart and coming together and going apart when we really could encourage each other in this walk and support each other. And I think really that nature is the key and the answer compared to more creative programs and better music or fighting about music or, you know, whatever it comes down to, but just simply, hey, we see a need in our community and we're going to go pick up trash. We see a need in our community and we're going to plant trees. We've talked to our city council and there's a pond that needs some restoration. So we're going to get in there and the kids are going to be in there and they're going to think it's fantastic. Yeah, another big burden on my heart, I think because I work with teenagers, is the fact that we have this idea, and we do it in our churches too, right? Sabbath school is this age group, and the next Sabbath school is this age group, and the next Sabbath school is this age group, and we, we feel this need to put everybody with their, their age group, but there is something so incredibly special about crossing the generations. 
Like it's just, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I remember as a 12 year old girl, I would hug all the elderly people in my church as I went out. It was just, there was no way I was gonna not pass grandma so-and-so or grandma so-and-so. Like I loved hugging them and they were so excited to see me. And I was blessed where we live. We, my younger brother and I could bike to our, our neighbors were Adventist and we could bike down their trails. And there was grandma Mary. Um, we'd go sit at her feet and listen to stories. And we'd love to hear about her, her, her life. And her husband was the one who invented the blueberry picker, but he didn't patent it. So he never got the money for the blueberry picker. And, and it was just, it was wonderful to cross that generation gap. You know, and if you can cross that generation gap, you know, and create outdoor experiences where they can tell your kids, because the truth is your kids don't know, they know this world. They don't know the world where your parents, you know, your parents lived in a whole new, different age. You know, even me, when I talk to my kids, you walk down the street to your grandma's house? Yeah, I walk down the gravel road, across the field, across the other field, down across the other field, up behind the woods, and down the woods, down the lane to my grandma's house. 30 minutes later, I was at my grandma's house. Like, what? That's from the movies. You know, what I thought was from the movies was walking a dog in a community. Like, walking a dog on a leash? Like, when I, when I graduated from college and I got a leash for my dog, I was like, whoa, I feel like I'm in the movies. I've never walked a dog on a leash before. Because I grew up on a farm, and we never had dogs on leashes, period, ever. So the first time I walked a dog on a leash, I thought that was honestly the coolest thing ever. I was like, whoa, this is so fun. <laughs> but that's what our kids think about like when you tell your story. So crossing that generation gap, I think, is vitally important and creating opportunities in nature um, would really help to connect the generations. But you know, the older ones can teach the little ones and that helps them in so many ways because they feel like they have a purpose. And your little ones look up to and admire the older ones. You know, there's, there is such a win-win situation when you can empower and not always be the head, which is really hard to relinquish. And trust that they can work together to achieve that outcome. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.